Hello, folks. Dr. Tim Jordan back with you here on Raising Daughters, a podcast that comes with you or to you every two weeks. I thought today I would talk about overindulged kids. Uh, and, the, and the part of it I want to talk about it is the many faces of how we overindulge kids. I think a lot of parents today are worried that, that we're going to raise kids who are spoiled, rotten brats, who won't be hungry, won't be motivated. So I thought I would talk uh, about the portion today just about the different ways, because I think sometimes when we think of overindulged, all we think about is things, like giving our kids too many things. But there's lots of ways that I think today we're overindulging kids. I heard a story about a very successful businessman who had a meeting with his new son-in-law. They said, you know what? I, I love my daughter, and we want to welcome you into our family. And to show you how much we're welcoming you into the family, to show you how much we care about you, I'm making you a 50-50 partner in my business. All you got to do is go to the factory every day and just learn the operations. We'll start on Monday. And the son-in-law interrupted his father-in-law. He said, whoa, wait a minute now. I just want you to know, I hate factories. I can't stand the noise. I, I couldn't do that. And the dad said, okay, I see. Well, how about this? Just show up to the office on Monday, and I'll, I'll take you there, and, and you, know, you can be in charge of some of the operations there, perhaps. And the son-in-law looked at him and said, you know what? I don't like office work either. I can't stand being stuck behind a desk all day or like being in a cubicle. And the father-in-law now was exasperated. He said, well, wait a minute. I just made you a half-owner of, of a very successful money-making business, but you don't like factories, and you don't want to work in the office. What am I going to do with you? Easy, said the young man. Buy me out. That's an example of an entitled, overindulged young man, right? So let's talk about some of the ways that we do that, some of the ways that we might be parenting our kids so that they may end up becoming entitled, uh, overindulged young people. One of them is not allowing our kids to learn the process of delaying gratification. We don't want our kids to suffer, to be unhappy, to be frustrated. So a lot of times we, we give them what they want right now, because if we don't, they start squawking. And we don't want to hear our kids squawking or being unhappy, and so they don't learn how to delay gratification. That's a huge mistake. We also overindulge kids by becoming their entertainment directors. When our kids are bored, they come to us and they say, I'm bored. And what do we do? We jump in there and say, well, what about this? Or what about that? And we start to create things for them. Um, I heard a story about a young man. He was sitting with his sister. He was 11 years old. And he spent the whole day on a Saturday inside playing video games. And the older sister went and kept trying to get him to go outside and play and do some stuff. And she finally said, you know what? Someday you're going to be 30 years old, single, and living in mom and dad's basement playing video games all day. And the boy's response, a boy can dream, can't he? That also is a sign of an overindulged kid, I believe. So we need to allow our kids to have some downtime where they can start to do some things on their own and start to entertain themselves. I know in the last couple of years at our summer camp, we, we allow a lot of downtime because we know or we feel like kids are overscheduled during their regular lives. And there's a, a, a thing in, our, in one of the camps we use called a gaga pit. It's this, it's this wooden structure. I think it's eight sides, an octagon. And you're supposed to get inside there with a ball and, and hit the ball with your hands and blah, blah, blah. We thought that was boring. So we, we challenged our kids to make up a different game. So they, they created a game called Snake Pit. And Snake Pit has eight people around this, around this Gaga Pit octagon, each of us uh, in, in front of one side, and we put our water bottle on top the, uh, the board in front of us. And then one person at the beginning, who is the king or queen, they have a Frisbee, and they try and knock our water bottles off by throwing the Frisbee. If they knock it and it hits the ground, then that person's out. 
If they knock it and it, and it falls off, but you catch it before it, hits the gr- before it hits the ground, then you can stay in. And what's interesting is the kids love it. They come back. They're lined up to play. And we keep changing the rules. Not us, but the kids. What I've learned at camp over the last 30 years is if you give kids downtime, they're no different than we were when we were kids. We make stuff up. We create things. We initiate. They just need the opportunity. So step down from being the entertainment director and allow kids to handle their own boredom. I also think uh, kids are very addicted to high-intensity experiences, things like video games and YouTube and all the social media things. And all those things are right there at their fingertips, always available. And they become dependent upon those things for their entertainment. If they don't get them, they really start to complain and whine. So I think that's one way they're overindulged is is sometimes too many of those experiences. They don't know how to have low-key fun, old-school kind of fun. Uh, just go outside and playing kind of fun. They need the high-intensity, addictive kind of stuff. I also think a way we're overindulging kids today is with praise, rewards, external motivators, if you will. Uh, that's an old story. We've talk, People talk about it a lot. It started uh, in earnest back in the 90s with the self-esteem movement, with parents wanting to tell their kids how great they were, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think because of all the externals that kids get today, they do become dependent upon other people for their sense of, am I okay? Did I do a good job? Am I doing the right thing? They look outside themselves way too much for direction and for, am I okay? And I think that's one big cause of being overindulged in that way. There's the obvious way of, of overindulging kids by just giving them too much stuff, uh, be it toys or gadgets or the electronics or clothes or whatever, whatever it might be. When they want something, they, they complain, they whine, and just to shut them up, we just give it to them. Uh, they don't learn to delay gratification. They don't learn to earn it. They just get it because they want it. Which is why you can go into their bedrooms or their playrooms and you will see mounds of toys they haven't touched for a year. Think about that. They have playrooms. Anybody who's my age or even within my generation did not have a playroom. Our playroom was outside. Get outside, go outside in the yard, go out in the woods, go out in the street. That was our, our playroom. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a playroom. I'm just saying there's so much stuff. And they, they get bored a lot of times because there's, they get overwhelmed with all the things. When our kids were young, I, I remember recycling things. We would take things periodically and put them in boxes and, and hide them in the basement. And they never missed them. And then and periodically we would, we would pull some things out and replace them with some other things they'd had in the past. And they're like, oh, it was like Christmas all over again. But I think a lot of kids today have just too much stuff. Another way of overindulging kids today is by solving their problems for them, doing for them. We speak for them. We advocate for them. We don't give them opportunities to fight through things and to take care of their own problems. Something as simple as where are my, my soccer shoes to having a problem with your coach or a teacher. A lot of times we jump in and we fix. We don't want our kids to get frustrated. We don't want them to fail or make mistakes. So we do a lot of rescuing, fixing, and a lot of our children are not learning how to handle the normal ups and downs of life because every time they start to falter and start to go down a little bit, we rush in and overindulge by doing it for them, rescuing them. I had a great story from a dad. His son was about 15, and he came to his dad and he said, you know, Dad, there's this trip to Washington, D.C. It's going to cost $2,500, and, and so will you pay for it? And his dad in the past would have just given it to him, but he decided that he was going to take a stand. He said, you know, I'm willing to, I want you to take this trip. Sounds great. He said, I'm willing to pay for half. I'm willing to put up $1,250, but you're going to need to come up with the other half. 
And his son kind of complained for a few minutes. His dad said, you know what? If you want to go, it's up to you. You have to come up with half. And so his son thought about it. He said, you know, how much do you pay those guys who cut their grass every week? And his dad said, I'd pay him 50 bucks. And the son said, well, if I cut the grass, will you pay me $50? And the dad said, yeah, as long as you do it as well as they do. So his son said, great, I'll do it. And so his dad said, when you're done the first time, call me at work. I'll come home right away. I want to make sure you know how to do it the right way. So sure enough, the son did, did, cut the grass, called his dad. His dad rushed home, and he found that his son had missed two or three big spots in the yard. So his dad pointed those out. He said, I'm going to give you a free pass this time, but from now on, if you miss spots like that, it'll be $10 off for each one, $10 each off of your 50. I want, you need to do it right. His son got the message. And for the rest of the summer, he cut the grass every week. And when it t- uh, came time, uh, the day before the trip, uh, the son was online just doing some last-minute checking, and he realized that he was missing a $100 tax. So he came to his dad and said, Dad, Dad, I'm leaving tomorrow. But he said, I didn't realize there was this $100 tax. Can you pay it? And his dad said, what's the deal? What was our deal? And the son said, well, I was going to pay for half. His dad said, yeah, I'm sticking to the deal. And his son complained. He said, I'm sorry, a deal's a deal. And so his son said, well, can I cut the grass? His dad said, sure, it's getting dark outside. But So his son rushed outside, and in the dusk and then the dark, he cut the grass. And his dad said, I was looking out the window. I felt so bad, like I was being so mean. He, he walked outside at one point with a big mag light to help his son so he could see at least to see what he, what he was cutting. But his son uh, finished the grass, he got his $50, and he went on the trip. And had a blast, I'm sure, because he earned it. I'm wondering where along that storyline you may have jumped in and rescued. It may have been at the start by just handing over the check for $2,500. It may have been by not making your kids work for it to earn it. It may have been that last night it was only $50. But there's so many places where we can step back and let our kids solve their own problems let our kids earn things. That's a huge one um, for kids to not be so uh, overindulged. That is to uh, have them earn things, to put some sweat equity into things, to, uh, give them some buy-in. I heard about this one young man who, who came from a very affluent family. And he uh, he, he uh, walked in on his parents one day and said, you know, Mom and Dad, uh, we have this huge house. We go on these great vacations. He said, you know, how, you know, how are we doing with the finances? I guess we're doing really well, right? And the parents looked at each other, and they looked at the son. They said, well, Mom and I are doing pretty well. You, on the other hand, are broke. I think that's kind of a nice attitude to have with our kids when it comes to that kind of thing. Another way I think that we overindulge kids is with with all the supervised activities and things that they do. Busy, busy, busy. No downtime. They want to be on the, the, the travel team. They whine because their friend's on there, so we let them do that. And then all of a sudden, they want to go on a second team and a third team. And all of a sudden... Nobody's home for dinner every night. People are running around to different places with two or three kids all over the place. And I think that uh, we have a hard time sometimes just saying no. Now, we're not going to give in just because everybody else is playing three sports a season or everybody else is, is trying to get on these club teams. So I think sometimes we give in too much in, in that way. Another place where I think we overindulge kids is we don't, we don't have them work. Um, work at home, doing things like cutting the grass or cleaning out the garage, just jobs around the house. Um, it'd be at chores or, or, bigger, or bigger ones, or even having jobs outside of the home. I know a lot of parents in, these day, in this day and age who tell their kids, I don't want you having a job in high school or even college 
because they say your homework and your schoolwork is your job. So there are many kids today who have never had a job. And I bet all of you parents listening on this, by the time you were 12 years of age or 15 years of age, that probably almost all of you had jobs and, and are better off for it. There's so many advantages to that. That could be a podcast in and of itself. I heard about this kid one day who was in class, and the teacher gave an assignment. And the assignment was, if I gave you a million dollars, what would you do with it? And she had them you know, write an essay. So this one kid, after about 10 seconds, walked up to, to, with the, to the teacher and gave, him, gave her a blank piece of paper. She, and she was like, you know, what, what's this? He said, I asked you to write a paper uh, about what you would do if you had a million dollars. And the kid looked at her and he said, if I had a million dollars, this is what I would do, i.e. nothing. That's an overindulged kid who's probably never had to work or earn. A couple more places that I think we overindulge kids today, and that is taking responsibility for their happiness. I think too many parents have their own self-esteem rise and fall with their children's failures and their accomplishments. So if their kid's doing well in school or their kid scores a goal, they're happy and they feel good, they feel like a great parent. If their kid struggles or is frustrated, they feel like they're a bad parent. And so, by God, they're going to rush in and avoid that uh, the failure kind of part. And I think a lot of times kids don't end up learning how to take responsibility for their happiness. There are many parents I see in my counseling practice who talk in terms of we, like we have homework, or we have five hours of homework, or we're having problems with our friends, or we, 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 as in, instead of saying they. It's not you and your kid. It's your child's life. It's their schoolwork. It's their frustrations. It's their problems, not yours. It's not a we thing. I think that separation needs to come. Otherwise, we end up taking way too much responsibility for their happiness, and kids don't learn how to do it themselves. Two other quick places. Number one, we don't say no enough. Uh, my wife and I, about a year ago, were working uh, at a school with our Strong Girl, Strong World program. So we were uh, dealing with the fifth grade class of girls. And before the first uh, time we went, the uh, school counselor and the principal asked us if it would be okay if one of the boys in the class could, could uh, be in with the girl program. Now, at the same time we were working with the girls, there's another program going on for the guys. And they, we said, well, why do you want to do that? They said, well, the boy's uncomfortable with, with the other guys in his class. He just feels like he doesn't have any friends there, and he feels more comfortable with the girls. And they were really distraught. Like, it was a big deal. And, and I was thinking to myself, what you say to that kid is, no, this is a girl program and a boy program. If you're having a tough time with the guys in your class, that's why we're doing this. You're going to be with those guys doing team building things. But I, was, I noticed that the teachers had already gotten some phone calls from the parents, and the parents were upset about it. They wanted their son to be with the girls, and nobody wanted to just say no. So I'm encouraging you. There are times when you just need to say, I hear what you're saying, I understand, and I'm not willing to give on this one. The answer is no. One last thing, uh, the way we overindulge kids, and some of you may not agree with this one, but I notice a lot of young parents today do not take breaks from their children. They go out to dinner with them on a Friday and Saturday night. I've been on vacations with my wife to places like Hawaii and Mexico, like, you know, really nice resort places. And there's people there with like one-year-olds and four-year-olds and six-year-olds. I'm thinking, when do you ever take a vacation from your kids? I know you love your kids. I want you to spend time with your kids, but you also need to spend time as a couple. I've seen a lot of couples over the years who, when their kids leave the home and they become empty nesters, the couple is lost. There's no marriage. It's all been about the kids, and nothing has been about the couple. 
And so they feel estranged. They feel distant. And a lot of, a lot of marriages fail at that point because of that reason. So I want you to be able to take the time to go out on the weekends with just your spouse. I want you to have time with your friends. I want you to have time for yourself. And I want you to have vacations with your spouse. I heard about a, uh, a uh, parent who was talking to another parent. And they said, you know, has your son decided what he wants to do when he grows up? And the one parent said, well, he's only six years old, but he's already been telling me he wants to be a garbage man. And the other parent said, well, that's kind of an unusual ambition to have at such a young age. And the other parent said, well, not really. He thinks that garbage men work only on Tuesdays. There's the beginning signs of overindulged, right? One last quick story. I heard about this man who ordered a catalpa tree from a nursery. And this guy always liked catalpa trees because they were big and fragrant. They had big white flowers. And when the tree came in the mail, it was a three-foot kind of a flimsy uh, kind of a tree. And it had a little stick that was kind of holding it up, like a bamboo stick. Because apparently it wasn't strong enough yet to, to hold itself up. So for the first year, this guy uh, fed the tree and he took care of it and he, and he made sure it had the right amount of sunshine. And every once in a while, he would take away the stake to see if the, this tree was strong. But every time he did it, the tree would start to bend over to the ground when the wind blew. So he quickly put the stake back in and, and put it back up. By the second year, the tree had not grown at all, looked as weak as ever. Even though he was watering it and fertilizing it, nothing had changed. So the guy thought, this must be a defective tree. And so he thought, I'm, I'm, sick of, you know, I'm sick of playing with this thing. So he removed the stake, thinking this thing is either going to live or die, but I'm not going to baby it anymore. Within a month, that little catalpa tree stiffened up and began to grow. And by the end of the year, it, looked like, it didn't even look like the same tree. It was strong. It was vibrant. It had been putting out new branches. It was thriving. I think sometimes in our attempts to support our kids and love our kids, we make the mistake of staking them too long. We see them struggling, assume there's something wrong with them, and instead of allowing them to kind of fight through and work through and problem solve, we stake them. We rescue them and we fix for them. And I think that it's scary sometimes to pull out the stakes and to step back and let our kids sort of do their lives. That's the only way that they're going to develop their own roots and, be, and develop their strength. Think about all these ways that, that I think we, dis, we, uh, excuse me, we overindulge kids. And if you found yourself thinking to yourself as you listen to this podcast, I do that one, I do that one, then you and your spouse sit down and make a plan about how you're going to start turning more over to your kids so that they end up becoming kids who are confident and have self-efficacy and who know how to take care of themselves and to cope with the normal ups and downs of life because they've done it. So when they go off into the world at the age of 18 or, or beyond, they know how to take care of themselves. They know how to take responsibility for their happiness. They know how to work. They know how to earn. They know how to, to delay gratification. Those are all things all of our kids need to have when they go out into the world. If you enjoy these podcasts, I always encourage you to, to share them. I really, appreciate, uh, I really appreciate that when you do. I'll be back in two weeks with another, uh, with another podcast. And, and also, the alternate weeks, there's always a blog. So check out what we're doing on our website at, at drtimjordan.com. And thanks so much for stopping by. And I hope you take this podcast seriously, because I think all of us want our kids to grow up to be healthy and strong and courageous and have self-efficacy and grit. And, and not doing all these kinds of faces of overindulgence, I think, is, is the way to start. I'll see you back in two weeks.
You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh. 